Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I am psyched to have Ronnie Landis here in Wonderland. Ronnie is a published author, speaker, and an empowering and inspirational guy who knows so much about health, nutrition, longevity, so much cool stuff. I connected to him through our mutual friend Carly from Culinary Karma, little plug, and Ronnie is just a super knowledgeable, great guy, so I'm really excited to get to know him today and talk about everything from nutrition, superfood, self-help, love, more, so just so much great stuff we're going to talk about. So thanks so much for being here, Ronnie. Yeah, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the intro. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump right in because I have so much that I want to talk about with you. So you live in your own um, wellness wonderland these days, and you've created um, a a place within yourself, within your body, within where you live um, that's really promoting wellness from within, and you're super passionate about health and nutrition, but I'd love to zoom the lens back. Like, were you raised this way? I'd love to start at the beginning and <clears throat> and know a little bit about um, your journey to healing and nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I wasn't raised with uh, health or nutrition specifically um, as principles for my life, but I was turned on to it um, as a as a professional athlete and an aspiring athlete, and it, it happened through a series of knee surgeries that I had on my right and my left knee as I was pursuing a career in basketball and taekwondo, both at different times. And that's when I got turned on to uh, living food and, and uh, superfoods and just all the different healing modalities that I started to incorporate into my lifestyle, into my athletic routine. And it really transformed the way I saw what was possible for my life and for my body. And um, it, it, that's really what started me out on this path, um, you know, eight or ten years ago. Um, I've become extremely fascinated with what's at the fringes of health and nutrition and food science and where that can take us um, on the road to creating the vision that we all that we all hold for ourselves. Nice. So my next question, I was going to ask you kind of what the major turning point was for you that really like drove this home that anything would stick out in your mind. And, and I'm, I'm guessing you're going to say kind of your injury with your knee. Could you talk about that experience a little bit? Yeah, um, that was definitely one of the big catalysts that led me into what I'm doing now. Um, When I was 19, I had my first knee injury um, on my right knee. I tore my meniscus, and that was primarily from doing too much, too much like hard impact training. I at the time I wasn't really focused on doing rehab, rehabilitation exercises, and fine tuning the micro muscles in my body to really hold my joints 
uh, and my tendons together. So I was doing a lot of extreme, you know, exercises. I was running about, I was on, at that time I was training to make the U.S. national team in Taekwondo. So I was running about three to five miles every single morning. I did three workouts a day, sometimes four even. And this was about six days a week. So, you know, over time, it started the imbalance in my exercise routine, not to mention that I wasn't eating the best ever at the time as well. Um, the, The imbalance in my life started to really pressurize my body. And then I tore, I tore my meniscus. I, I think it was from running or kicking or something. And I also had a lot of impact trauma on my, uh, on my kneecap. And so that's what got, that's what led me into my first surgery. And then after that, I spent years rehabilitating, doing corrective exercise maintenance. And when I was 23, I was actually training for, um, to make a semi-professional basketball team. And I tore my my ACL and a part of my cartilage on my left knee. And by that time, I was way more in tune with my body, nutrition, doing corrective exercise therapy. So that injury actually was pretty quick. Like I, I just got out of the hospital. I remember like beginning to walk like second day, like my second day after the surgery. And um yeah, that's when I really got into raw foods, and raw food literally um, changed my life. It really, it really healed my body in record time. I think within a month of doing like juicing and getting grounded on the the surface of the earth barefoot, I actually healed my knee in one month. Wow. And I and after that experience, I've never had to ice my knees. I've never had to really like take a day off from training it's it's been pretty amazing wow so so it seems i i found i had a like a best friend in in high school that had an injury with with her knee tore her acl mcl and meniscus and um and i i i feel like knee injuries especially as people age tend to be very very common um Mm-hmm. Talking about you talked about your healing a lot after you went got through your surgery and healing with raw foods, but could you just talk for a little bit? I'm just curious about anything to kind of combat that from happening at all. Any prevention for um, knee injuries? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I knew what I know now, I never would have got injured. That's pretty obvious to me now. Um, the 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 reason that athletes generally get get these these consistent injuries one is because of overtraining and not enough uh rest and recovery and then the other one is obviously nutrition um the best preventative thing is to really focus on anti-inflammation because the the inflammatory markers is really what starts to accumulate um the acidification or the acid buildup in our body. And over time, our body has different mechanisms of neutralizing those acids. But over time, if we're not doing things like, um, for example, like juicing, juicing is probably one of the best preventative uh, tools that any of us can use for any, any kind of degenerative condition we may be trying to um, you know, work around or just not encounter whatsoever. So physio um, degenerative conditions like knee issues, hip issues, ankle, foot fractures, um, lower back and neck 
degenerative uh, issues are all part of the same core issue, and that really has to do with um, the the breaking down of our muscles, our tendons, our ligaments, and our nervous system. Um, so green vegetable juicing is absolutely amazing for that. Another thing would be supplemental enzymes. Um, enzymes, especially systemic enzymes, which are which are basically um, the metabolic enzymes that our body uses to actually start to break down all the, for example, like the plaque formations, the the fibric, or the fibre uh, the uh, the fibrotic um, uh, placking that that accumulates in the body and starts to wear us down. The enzymes start to break that stuff down and actually help our body heal naturally. And when our body uh, becomes deficient in enzymes, then our body actually has to manufacture certain uh, catalysts to do the job that those enzymes originally were doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, so those are those are you know some very basic some basic things. I think diet in general is really important to understand um, and how to have a balanced diet. For whatever your whatever your function is in life, so if you're an athlete, you have to kind of fine tune your diet for your function, for what you're trying to do in life. But just having a balanced diet of raw plant food, incorporating some of these superfoods, making sure that the water you drink is clean and um, uh, free of contaminants is a major part in prevention of any kind of. Uh, condition that we may be talking about. So speaking of these conditions, another one that I know that you, um, another degenerate disease that you talk about and research on is, is MS. And um, I've had family yeah. members who have struggled with that. Can you talk a little bit about what's happening there and, and some of your yeah. research around that? Absolutely. So multiple sclerosis, um, it has to do with a few things. The primary thing behind that is um, it's a it's a degenerative condition that affects our nervous system, and what's going on there, very simply put, is that we have uh, we have a protective layer that surrounds our nervous system the same way that rubber um, coating surrounds an electrical circuit, right? Um, that's actually how our nervous system functions. Our nervous system is basically this little wiring of electrical signals or impulses that's being sent out throughout the body, which allows me to speak to you. It allows all my senses to, to turn on. It allows me to move my body, so it controls all the motor functions. Once that sheathing, which is called your myelin sheath or myelination, once that starts to break down, then all our motor functions, the cognitive functions of our brain, start to get impaired. So when people have MS, you'll notice that their motor functions start to um, start to degrade. They they can't move their they can't fire those electrical impulses that get sent to their muscles. That's another way of saying that would be um, the neuromuscular system. So all our muscles are basically being regulated through our nervous system. And that myelin is actually being scraped off in a case of MS. In fact, that's how it's clinically um, uh, described is that the, the, the nervous system uh, dysfunction actually scrapes off 
that protective fatty sheath and starts to oxidize the nerves that are sending out these electrical impulses. So that's a big area of my research is um, neurodegenerative conditions that affect our brain, that affect our, our motor function and our quality of life. And there's a lot of ways to work around that. In fact, multiple sclerosis, in my opinion, is not that difficult to deal with. It's just um, you, you have to work around the kind of allopathic approach, which is the pharmaceutical medical approach, because what they're doing to treat these kind of conditions is, is completely backwards. And in my opinion, it's causing more endocrine um, issues in the form of like liver toxicity from pharmaceuticals and hormone disruptions um, that can be simply treated with using super herbs, using um, just basic dietary protocols, clean water, and, and um, some things like that that we can definitely touch on. Yeah, so I guess... Um Let's let's start there. I mean, why don't you tell me a little bit about some preventative things and, yeah. and some uh, some things that anybody can kind of employ into their life to to prevent not only MS but um, all degenerative diseases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like MS is just one symptom of a whole classification of degenerative conditions, which, which again, like I stated before, are nervous system breakdown. So what the goal here is that we want to protect our nervous system because that regulates every single function of the body and of our consciousness. So let me start out with just putting out the most important things that people can implement right now for prevention or for um, treating, naturally treating, um, you know, MS and other conditions. Uh, the first thing I would mention is, uh, I would definitely say, um, again, green vegetable juicing is going to be really important for putting out the inflammatory fire that erupts in the body. That, And I won't elaborate too much on that. Basically, green vegetable juicing is an anti-inflammatory method. It's also an enzyme supplement, and it's a mineral and vitamin supplement, okay? So that's one thing. Now, moving on from there... I would say people need to know about Makuna, um, the herb, the Ayurvedic herb Makuna. Um, clinical research has actually shown that Makuna extract is twice as effective against Parkinson's than the best pharmaceutical Parkinson's uh, drug wow. that's being prescribed. Um, and this this is very obvious. Um, th this has to do with like the neurotransmitters that get produced in the brain and get sent out through the nervous system. Um, when we're talking about macuna, we're talking specifically about L-dopa, and that's the precursor for dopamine. And that you know, I I could go into that in a lot more detail. But basically, dopamine plugs into our adrenal system and actually helps to reinstall the proper information that our adrenals send out to the rest of our, uh, the rest of our body. Um, and it helps to actually, it helps to actually regulate the nervous system. So a lot of times people are either, um, they're either sympathetic or they're parasympathetic. Okay. So just to make that simple, the sympathetic nervous system is kind of like, um, almost like a hyper, uh, a hyper uh, stimulation of our nervous system 
Um, and a lot of times people actually need to bring that stimulation down into balance. And that would be more parasympathetic, which is more of a, a, a regulation state. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Okay, cool. So most people in civilization are, are totally um, hyper-stimulated from the nervous system. So they need something like a macuna or even like a schizandra berry to help regulate their nerve impulses to, to kind of protect them from all the stimulation of, that we have in our technological um, kind of uh, stimulant society. Yeah. Uh, Makuna actually protects the nervous system in that way. Um, the next thing that I would put out there is lion's mane mushroom. Um, lion's mane mushroom is has been heavily researched um, for improving cognitive function and improving memory and just overall brain function, one of the main things that lion's mane does is that it has something called nerve growth factors. And these nerve growth factors are actually building out uh, what I referenced before, which is the myelin or the myelin sheet, right? So to make this very, uh, to bring it home for people, another thing about our nervous system or about this myelin that surrounds the nervous system is that um, not only do you want to protect the health of that sheath, but you actually want to encourage it to grow um, through the repetition of certain activities. Because the way that we learn, master, record, and, and ultimately uh, activate certain behaviors in our life is actually dependent on repetition of activities, repetition of belief systems, repetition of of our speech patterns, and so on and so forth, right? So we've all heard of like muscle memory, right? Right. Well, muscle memory is not totally accurate. It's actually neuromuscular memory that's really what's happening. And that myelin, if we do the same thing over and over and over, that myelin will actually do something called myelinate that activity or that speech pattern and it'll it'll record what we do within the framework of it so it actually stores information based on how healthy it is right um lion's mane mushroom has actually been shown to actually influence the development of our myelin sheath so i, I so i would definitely say macuna and lion's mane yeah. mushroom are probably the two top tier herbs I would also include eucomia bark, which is a, a it's a Chinese, a traditional Chinese uh, super herb, and it's it's essentially the bark of a tree. And eucomia bark is very important for our ligaments, for our joints, for repairing the micro muscles in our entire muscular system, um, and that has a lot to do with um, again with the whole nervous system regulation. So um, those would be like the top three herbs. Yeah. So I just want to jump in and ask you here. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with, with lion's mane and, and using some of these medicinal herbs, what are the best ways to incorporate those? Okay, great question. Um, the best way to incorporate it, in my opinion, is actually doing it in a hot tea. You can definitely pop the capsules, but I feel like there's a lot of information that, get, that gets lost through the process of digestion um, because of the acids that are produced in the stomach. I feel like... Um, some of that probably is not getting through. 
So when you do it in a traditional herbal tea, say for example, you made like a, a yerba mate tea or you made a, um, a whatever somebody passion flower tea or cat's claws tea or whatever tea, coffee, you can even do it in your morning cup of coffee and just put these herbs in it. The macuna is going to help balance out the, the, the mild stimulatory effects of the caffeine. And because the caffeine is actually a vasodilator, it widens up the blood vessels, it's actually going to help drive in those herbs into the, the cell receptor site much easier. So I, I would say that's probably the best way to go about it. Nice, nice. So you obviously are super passionate about this stuff and so smart and knowledgeable. So I would love to know... What? When did you know? When did you decide to take this passion and turn it into a career for yourself? Yeah. Okay. Great question. Um, well, I, I, I've had the, I've had the privilege and the hardship in many instances, but it's been a privilege nonetheless of spending my entire life, literally since I was a little child, chasing my dreams. So I, I'm kind of predisposed from the age of like five to actually go after an idea that comes at me and just kind of go at it with full force. And when I first got into this, I was actually, um, I was training to be a professional basketball player and, um, you know, I, I don't really want to go into the whole story cause it's kind of a long story of how I kind of got typhooned out of that and got thrown into what I'm doing now. But it, it started as a curious passion for me. And the more I got into it, and saw how it started to change my life, I, I got really inspired by my friend, um, David Wolf, who, who is, in my opinion, the number one health and nutrition lecturer in the world. There's really no, no debate on that, in my opinion. And he really inspired me to actually bring my message to other people. And I, I've been public speaking for years before that. I used to run a martial arts school. I would, I would teach class every single day. I would give lectures, teach workshops, and things of that nature. So I think from a younger age, I was predisposed to really the public speaking aspect of it. But then through getting into this world, I just started getting out there and giving lectures to potlucks and different workshops. And then I got inspired to start doing like more seminar type of deals and start working with other educators. And um, I, I realized that writing books was going to be a huge part of my path in a way that I could, I could um, create almost like, uh, like the same way a, mu a musical artist will create albums. I, that's how I look at my books and the way they do concerts is the way I look at my events. So I kind of approach it from that place, and it's just something I'm extremely passionate about. You know, I don't think that you can really create a lot of success in your life and whatever you want to do unless you're you're curiously, uh, innocently passionate about what you do, because that's going to drive you forward and it's going to cause you to want to work on your craft and to polish it and become a better version of yourself every single day. You definitely have to love what you're doing, whether you get paid for it or not. And I just realized that um, I would want to do this whether I was rich or not, but now I've kind of integrated the peak performance 
information in the success world with what I'm doing and merged it together where now I, I believe that you can have the best of both worlds if you if you approach it intelligently. Yes, I love that and I couldn't agree more. I mean, for me, I've just found this proved time and time again. If you're passionate, you're going to do a good job. If, the, if you care, mm -hmm. you're going to just do a better job in your health, in your life, in your career, what, whatever you're pursuing. So um, I love that answer. So getting back to um, health and your, your personal health, I would love to ask Ronnie Landis, the speaker, author, this question. What are you doing now, today? Like, What is your daily food and exercise routine that's working for you? And not to say that this would work for everyone else, but just out of curiosity, could you talk us through kind of what's working for you right now? <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've gone through a, a few different phases in the last few months. Um, I've really got back into really heavy working out again. I bet I bet I was away from it for a while. It would be a lot more sporadic um, due to, you know, all my writing and researching load. But lately, I've been getting really back into anabolic weightlifting. Um, I've been getting back into just regular jogging and um, deep breathing, exercising. Actually, what's really what's really interesting is that I've reformatted my entire schedule. Um, while writing my first book, I was very much a night owl. You know, I would stay up until two, three, four. Even sometimes I'd pull like two nights in a row. Like I just wouldn't Whoa. sleep. Yeah, I just would just go through it and. I am definitely happy to say that I'm back into my normal circadian rhythms where I go to sleep around like anywhere as early as seven um, until like nine, like nine will probably be like the latest regularly. And I wake up about four in the morning. Wow. And that is amazing to wake up four hours before the rest of the world because one, it gives you a jump start on the rest of the world. So it's like if you want to be successful in your life and what you're doing, you got to figure out how you can actually get ahead of all the other peak performers in your industry, in your niche, right? Yeah. And so for me, it's like, okay, I got to wake up an hour earlier than everyone else that's out there doing what I, that has the results that I want. I actually have to, I have to take it up a notch, right? So I have to adjust my lifestyle and my priorities to fit what I want to achieve in my life. So that's one thing. Um, and when I get up in the morning, the very first thing I do besides breathing um, is I drink water. I mean, that's absolute. If you want to get to the, the crux of the whole thing, it's like people are not drinking enough water, right? Yeah. And this whole like eight to 10 glasses <laughs> a day, like that, that's hokey pokey. Yeah. Is they're not even talking about what kind of water. The reason people need to drink eight to ten glasses of water is because they're they're chronically dehydrated um, from too much cooked food, processed food, not enough water rich plant food, and just not enough you know high quality water. And I, I don't I don't need to give you my whole spiel and rant on water right now. No, but that's it's it's okay because I, I was just going to interrupt you to say it's yeah. funny that you. You brought that up because my next question for you that I had written down here was about hydration. And I okay. heard you talk um, in one of, I don't even remember what it was now, but a, a couple days ago or weeks ago, I, I heard you talk in a podcast about hydration and you were saying that exact piece of work about 
drinking water when you first wake up in the middle of the day or in the middle in the well middle of the night for you but um mm -hmm. when you when you first wake up in the day drinking a liter of water and it's so great the way you said that because we're all busy we're all doing 10 million things if you can start the day off that way you're you yeah. put yourself you set yourself up for success but so I'd love for you to talk about that and and about water a little bit yeah well the there's a common phrase the way you start the day is the way you finish your day so yeah. You, the most important thing for somebody is like, listen, it's not about like entire lifestyle reform. It's about adding in one daily discipline the best you can. Well, the best thing to do is to start adding in higher quality water. And for a lot of people, that's going to exist on a different gradient. For me personally, it's living spring water. That's my standard. That's what I want for my life. So that's where I go. But if you're on tap water consciousness, then it's like you need to start to migrate away from that as much as you can. You could that could be um, getting into like, uh, you know, not that I'm a fan of it, but it can be like reverse osmosis water. It can be um, even like alkaline water. Again, those things are nice transition tools, but that's not really where we want to end up. But that, that's a whole other, the whole other topic in of itself. What I will say, though, is no matter what water you're drinking, I highly encourage people to include about one-fourth of a teaspoon of sea salt into their water every single day. The reason why so many people are chronically dehydrated and a lot of um, people on the natural um, the, the natural nutrition, especially like the, the extreme raw food trip. The reason why a lot of people get this like hyper gaunt, skinny, anorexic type of look um, and their skin quality becomes pale in a lot of cases and they just, they just aren't getting as much as they could um, is because they're actually, their body's not able to hold on to the water that they're drinking. So the water's literally going right through their body into their uh, urinary tract and it's coming right out, right? So the one thing is that you don't want to be peeing eight to ten times a day, but you do want to actually retain the water that you put into your mouth and that's actually going to be caused from um, from having enough sodium in your diet, enough, enough high quality salt. And the salt actually um, feeds our adrenal glands. So in the morning, what, what we want to do is we want to slowly adrenalize. Does that make sense? Yeah. Most people, when they get up in the morning, they're popping up and they're already hyper-adrenalized. So the, the, the adrenals is pumping out adrenaline way quicker than um, the body knows how to handle. So that's another thing about the nervous system. It pops our nervous system out of control. Um, what you want to do when you wake up is just slowly wake up, just kind of like, you know, stretch for a minute and slowly get into your day. And you want to plug back your uh, adrenal glands with sea salt to start getting it uh, uh, to start getting it functioning appropriately. So that's my thing on water um, as starting your day is one fourth of a teaspoon of sea salt with your morning water. That's super helpful. So still answering that question about what you're doing today, we kind of went over exercise yeah. and water, but let's, let's talk a little bit about food. Okay. So the food, it, I mean, it, there's a few different staples, like obviously like 
green leafy vegetables is a huge staple in my diet um of course and then um i i i migrate back and forth with different raw food selections like right now i'm feeling like sugar is not really the best thing for me at the moment so i i'm really leaning more towards um turning on more of my fat burning metabolism opposed to like always the sugar 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 um and that can come from you know fruit that can come from honey that can come from any form of sugar really um i i've done enough sugar in my life i don't need to keep feeding that monster so i'm really focused on fat burning metabolism um and the way i do that in in accordance with my other nutritional goals is uh i i i really like ghee um ghee is clarified purified butter for anyone out there that's maybe not familiar with it it's kind of like the same idea of grass-fed butter except i'm not really a big fan of grass-fed butter for me because i don't really do well with the the casein that comes from the protein that comes from cow's milk or the lactose um but clarified ghee butter actually um heats the ghee up just enough so the way they do it is that casein and that lactase um actually raises up to the top and they scoop those portions of the butter out so it actually is allergen free um and that works really well for me i really enjoy that it's really great for healing the lining of our intestinal tract as well um and you know um i'm really into herbalism obviously i love my elixirs um i'm really focused on things that are going to help with my brain function and activating like the neurochemistry in my brain so all my neurotransmitters like my serotonin my dopamine my adrenaline my my phenethylamines all that cool stuff is firing um in sequence so i can think i can feel i can act i can make decisions rapid fire decisions without having to spend too much time like deliberating and contemplating and philosophizing on everything. Is that is that coming through? Yeah, that that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um and then also it depends on my function because if I'm doing let's say for example today if I have to do like 200 pounds of um squats like I'll do four four sets of six um heavy squats 200 pounds if i'm doing something like that then the drink that i make afterwards is going to be designed to feed um the feed the the muscles um that need to be repaired and um for recovery but if i'm doing something like where i'm running for like 3 or 5 miles i'm going to do something totally different i'm going to be more focused on anti-inflammatory cocktails like a vitamin C flush that might be like um three or four juice lemons, acerola cherry, camu camu berry, um rose hips, uh you know, uh you know and something like that and a green vegetable juice um you know opposed to like more of the high protein uh feed that I I would do from like a bodybuilding workout. Nice. Nice. So, so- Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that so 
It's so cool to hear exactly what you're doing, but I'm just kind of thinking of our listeners here. And I would love to know how you would coach someone who is completely new to this. You know, maybe they're in the standard American diet. Maybe they're, um, you know, just very, very new to to starting this path or, or just getting to know all of these things. So where where would you tell them to start? I know we spoke about water and hydration, and so that's definitely a good place. And you gave them a couple herbs to kind of get started with to put in their tonic. But could mm-hmm. you kind of walk us through just a couple of steps where you would coach someone who this was completely new for and maybe yeah. didn't have the workout regimen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think um, Im- implementing a basic fitness program into your life is essential. And that doesn't have to be – um, something intense that can simply be start walking every morning, you know, just the first thing you do, just put on your shoes and go for a walk, go for a mile walk around the, around the neighborhood and breathe. Deep breathing is extremely important to get oxygen back into your, your body and your brain to, to keep you in a feel good state. Right. Um, yeah, as far as, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, as far as somebody new getting into this, it's going to be circumstantial based on that person's circumstance. So the way I would coach someone that had cancer or diabetes or candida or some kind of gut dysbiosis is going to be very different than the way I coach somebody who may be in a general state of decent health, but they're, they're looking to start implementing some new things into their life. They want to, they want to take it a little bit further. So the basic principle that I can say is it's called um, it's called subtraction by addition and what that means is that instead of following these these diet books that are out there which is basically just taking out all the things that may or may not be working in your life and then just kind of like trying to get by like weight loss by starvation and deprivation um, which is like a which is a is a mental and emotional uh, dissonance. Like it, it doesn't work for the human condition. Like we're always going to be fighting ourselves under those kind of parameters. But if you start to do the subtraction by addition, which is adding in something good, it will naturally subtract something of a lower nature out of your lifestyle without you having to create some program and to mentally subtract that out of your lifestyle it will naturally crowd out the bad things so for example if somebody is a coffee drinker my advice to them is not going to be like oh you got to get rid of the coffee my advice is okay you like coffee let's get you off this kind of like high acid uh fungal bacteria coated Folgers coffee and let's get you on some low acid, fair trade, um, organic coffee, and let's see what the difference is. Because there is a huge difference between those two products, right? Yeah. Um, and let's start there. Maybe for the person, they're like, "Hey, I want to get off coffee, but I still, I still need that little jolt in the morning." Okay, great. How about we get you on some yerba mate or some ilex guayuse? which is um, the two highest caffeine-containing plants outside of uh, coffee beans. And those are actually balanced with the rest of their minerals and nutrients. So it, it gives you the mild stimulation, but 
It might not hyper-stimulate you. And let's add in some coconut oil for the good fats to balance out that caffeine in your body. And let's start there, right? Um, I, I find that that is the best approach when trying to figure, trying to navigate through all this information because I understand that this may not be the easiest thing to grasp for a lot of people. And when people interview me, I'm not just talking about like, like step A, step B. Sometimes I'm like A, B, right, C. Right. You know, like I, I, I'm going, I'm going from different, uh, totally. uh, different ideas and and jumping back and forth. So to keep it simple, it's like add in as much raw, organic, plant food as you can. Add in one green juice a day: lemon, celery, cucumber, ginger, apple. There you go. If you what we want to do, Katie, is that we want to develop disciplines that are going to help construct the vision of our life, right? Overall, yes. this is about life. This is about vision crafting is what we're trying to do. Nutrition is basically a supplement for the vision of your life, mm. right? So it's yeah. not just about like weight loss. It's like, why do you want to lose the weight? What, how is losing a certain amount of weight going to amplify your life? How is it going to take your life to a new frontier? That's the way I want to approach it. Because if you have a vision for your life, it doesn't matter how, what you have to do. If, as long as you have the why, you'll figure out how to make it happen. Mm, that is so good, Ronnie. I just wrote that down. Nutrition is a supplement for the vision of your life. That's beautiful. And and just so true, and I think really links back to what we were talking about at the very beginning about following your passion. And if you are really focused on that passion, you're going to do what you need to do. And that means nutrition and taking care of this body that we're living in right now. Yeah, I, I want to add this one thing too, yeah. just for everyone listening. I'm, I'm a product of the last 80 years of personal development literature. In fact, I was raised with that stuff uh, you know, when I was four years old, my first mentor was Bruce Lee, and then it, you know it progressed into Eastern philosophy. So I, 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 within me is hundreds of years of philosophy and tradition and, and insight onto life and how to construct the the life that you want to design. Like I'm into lifestyle design, so I would say nutrition is one of those pillars that creates the foundation for the design of your life, no matter what your function is, whether you want to be the best mother or father, you want to be the best carpenter, you want to be the best eco-friendly, uh, you know, clothing designer, you want to be the best athlete, speaker, um, whatever, like it doesn't matter. Nutrition, the way that nutrition influences our life is is profound. So I think that if people can start to approach health as if they're 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 creating a daily discipline for their life. And that goes again about, you know, maybe I'm just um kind of a broken record here, but it's about daily disciplines. It's about the rituals that we have in our life and the rituals end up determining the results that we have in our life. So I, I think ritual having it coming from a perspective of creating rituals. 
If your ritual is to get up every morning, lace up your shoes, and go for a jog, chances are you're going to be in a higher, a higher state of fitness than the next person who's hitting the snooze button or is kind of trying to get out of that ritual, right? If your yeah. ritual is when you wake up, is that every day, no matter what, doesn't matter, I'm going to have that, that one liter of water with sea salt in it, then your ability to think, your ability to move in your body, and ultimately your ability to eliminate toxins in your body is going to be in a higher state than the next person who's drinking coffee first thing in the morning. Yeah, it's it's really cool when you can get behind the reason why behind and thinking about, you know, it was self-help with anything with any success that you want, if you can get behind the service of it and how yep. it's going to be helping the world, then you can then that's when the success happens. So it's the same thing really with your body. You know, when you have that intention of what you want, like like for me, I'll just kind of give you the example of what I want. You know, the reason why I am into all this stuff, you know, the reason why I think everything you're saying, I like eat it up, like I think it's just the coolest thing is because, you know, I made this decision. I want to be more intuitive. I want to hear my intuition more. I think it's so cool when I can really get into that. And it's really cool what you were saying, you know, and I've heard you talk about this before, like you can meditate all day and you can do that all day, but if you don't have the nutrition aspect of it, nothing's going to happen. And you can eat well mm -hmm. all day, but if you don't have the spiritual aspect of it, nothing's going to happen. So it's really right. something that you need both for. And well, I love, I love what Anthony Robbins uh, talks about. He says, you know, we get wrapped up in these different ideas about like, confidence and willpower and, and having the will to succeed. And I think people are actually breaking down from utilizing too much willpower, yeah. actually. And we start to get hooked on these little concepts like spirituality. And because spirituality is generally disconnected from the Western psyche, I think that people get into extremes of what spirituality is. And then we try to define every little parameter in our life and our activities, whether and, and to say that this is spiritual and this is not spiritual. Well, I, I can tell you from my own experience, I've been, I've been a student of spiritual practices, again, since I was a little child. And, um, and going through, like I used to, as a, as a, a martial artist, when I was approaching my black belt initiation um, many, many years ago, I used to meditate for two to four hours a day. Like wow. this was before I knew about like, um, you know, all the great traditions of the world. And I got into our community. I was already doing that stuff. So now what I can speak from a place of experience, like I don't need to do that anymore. In fact, I, you couldn't get me to sit there and meditate for like 30 minutes because I, I it's, it's like, it's almost like to me, it's like, that's a waste of time. Like I, I love I love those traditions. I love the Buddha. But for me, it's like I don't want to meditate under a Buddha tree for 50 years. Like I, I got to get up and go because to me, every single act is there's a spiritual component in the, the action. That's what I love Tony Robbins about. He's like, listen, like you can sit in and, and wish there were no weeds. You could say there's no weeds. There's no weeds. But until you pull out the weeds in the garden, those weeds are still going to be there. Yes. So, so it's great to have positive affirmations and, uh, you know, confirmations, but that, that positive 
result that we want to see is not going to be confirmed until you take the action. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it reminds me of this story. My mentor, Gabrielle Bernstein, um, mm. just talked about this and she said that, um, she heard the great Buddhist monk, Jikra Tan, and he, he was, they asked him, you know, do you meditate every day? And he said, not only do I meditate every day, I meditate every moment. Right. And I think that's, that's really what this comes down to. It's, it's when you get to that spot where you're, everything you're doing is a meditation. That's, that's yeah. really rad. Yeah, that, that's called active meditation. I think that is actually, you know, it's like I relate it to martial arts, you know. Um, I think a lot of the spiritual methodologies, um, especially coming from kind of like the, the kind of mainstream um, yoga kind of culture that's been created in, um, in more of our community is starting to go mainstream is like, that's like white belt. Um, black belt is when you live it yeah, and when it becomes yeah. fully integrated within the fabric of who you are and within your psychology. See, once we get our psychological status, we get our emotional resonance, meaning that we don't let our emotions get away from us. We feel the emotion. We recognize it. We don't hide from it. We see it and we, we integrate it. It's like, what's going on with me right now? What am I feeling? What am I allowing myself to feel? How is that affecting my psychology? How is that affecting the way that my thought, you know, is it producing a negative thought or, is, or maybe is it producing a resolution type of thought? Where is my thinking going? And then how does that translate into my body, right? The body is the biggest indicator of of your emotional uh, signaling, right? Emotion signal through the body. Or, or another way of even putting that is the body is a great signaler for where our emotions are. Because a lot of times people get so, so blocked up from head to toe, they can't actually feel their emotions. So anytime an uncomfortable feeling starts to arise inside their body, they stuff themselves with some some uh, muffin or cigarette or you know whatever right. to actually subdue the momentary uncomfortable feeling that's trying to alert the mind of something that's in disharmony. Yeah, we it, that's uh, I could listen to that ten times because it's so true. We just as a society don't want to feel. And that's yeah. that's really the the biggest epidemic. It's it's not the food. It's not it's not any of this stuff. It's really just that feeling of not wanting to feel. And see, once you and see, here's a. I'll take this to a more technical level. Um, everything I just said has everything to do with our nervous system. And so, taking back to our original our original topic here, we have to fine tune the electrical signals that are being th sent throughout every, every layer of our body every single moment. Um, that's going to happen through nutrition. It's going to happen through positive information saturation, meaning the, the things that we're willing to entertain. 80% of the information that we take in is actually visual. So actually... All the stuff that we're looking at, the people that we're listening to and watching, the TV, the plug-in drug, all that stuff is actually influencing 
our biochemistry and our physiology in ways that you know you couldn't you couldn't believe until you really started to take account of yourself you started to become self-aware and you started to notice the the feeling state you're in from when you listen to a podcast like this or you watch a Wayne Dyer video or right. you uh or you watch um geez you watch uh what's his name Bill O'Reilly on the nightly news I mean like you can just get a pretty good indicator from the way you your body sends signals if this is in if this is coherent if this is in my best or my highest good and if it's not you can make a conscious decision to not entertain that anymore yeah um and so that all affects in the regulation of our nervous system and i would i would just really encourage people to really go back to the beginning of this interview and really take in what we were talking about, about some of those herbs, about the green vegetable juice, about um, really fine-tuning um, our nervous system, essentially, because this is the number one uh, leading cause of degenerative conditions worldwide. This is what will cause dementia, Alzheimer's, um, even childhood autism, um, you know, uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, every, all of it, you know, we don't have to go yeah. down the whole list, but I think if people get the point, how important this is and how it plays out into our overall happiness. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just, there's so much good here, Ronnie. It's, it's, it's amazing. And before this time is like flown by, I cannot mm. believe it, but, um, yeah. there's so much that I do want to still ask you quickly before we get to the yeah. quick fires. I'd love do to, it. I'd love to get into um, a little bit about specific superfoods. Can we specifically okay. talk about cacao? So we know it's amazing yeah. for us once you're into this um, world a little bit. It's, it's, it's amazing to consume, but there's a lot of differing opinions, and I'm sure it differs from person to person. But could you talk a little bit about how much of the superfood should be consumed and how the, one of the best ways to kind of incorporate it? Okay, well, um, just understand that um, cacao is a power plant. You know, it's in the same classification as things like ayahuasca. Um, coffee is actually another noble plant that's been kind of bastardized in our culture due to processing and um, an unconscious approach to, to uh, kind of manipulating its pharmacology. So this is why a lot of varying opinions come out about it. The truth is cacao is one of the most sacred foods in the world and do and because of that it deserves our respect when we're using it. The biggest problem in the pharmaceutical uh, age is bad herbalism which means um, inappropriate dosaging. And so when people get into cacao it's not something that you really have to worry too much although I will add a disclaimer that um, a lot of the cacao products out there actually um, could be contaminated with certain types of mold called mycotoxins that generally have an adverse effect on people's nervous system. So people are so some of the people out there are saying, "Oh, it's the theobromine that's causing um, a problem with their nervous system." Right? That's absolutely false. According to the science, actually, theobromine doesn't have a lot to do with your nervous system. It actually is a cardiovascular stimulant 
meaning that it increases oxygen transportation in your bloodstream. It actually opens up your blood vessels. It widens them so they can actually breathe better. And it's actually a natural blood thinner. So it starts to, it starts to clean up the plaque formations that actually arise when we have coagulated blood or um, when we have, uh, for example, I'll make it very simple. If you think about what a degenerative cardiovascular condition would be, I would say it would have a lot to do with the blockage of blood transportation to the brain and to the heart. Um, a specific condition is a stroke, right? right. The, blood, the blood valves called the aorta um, on top of our heart actually can't transport enough oxygen to the brain. There's a constriction in that, in that valve, and actually what theobromine does, it loosens up the constriction and allows blood flow to become more fluid or more... Uh, you know, more rhythmic, right? And so that's one thing. Um, and there, I, I've reviewed over 200 re research studies and, and articles on chocolate and theobromine and cacao. So for me, it's like, you know, I've seen the results. I've seen what cacao can do for somebody's lung, lung health. I've had people come into me, come up to me from Los Angeles, California, and they're like, what do I do? I, like actors and actresses and singers, like, what do I do? I have a, I have to perform tomorrow, but I'm smoking too much, obviously, or my lungs are just, they're constricted. I lost my voice. I'm like, okay, no problem. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to make you a tea. We're going to put one tablespoon of cacao. We're going to put cordyceps. We're going to put ashwagandha. We're going to put in maca. We're going to put in one tablespoon of coconut oil to lubricate the, the lining of our lungs and, there, and put some honey in there. The next day, I've had two people already confirm to me that they were all good. Their lost voice was all good. The, the irritation in their, their bronchial muscles went away and um, it was pretty much all good. So, wow. and, and that's just like, that's just scratching the surface. I mean... Cacao is, is one of the most heavily researched foods in the world, and it has the most complex pharma, uh, chemical assortment of any food in the world. So it's definitely a power plant. It affects our consciousness. It affects our, our brain chemistry. And it's the number one heart-supportive food in the world, according to the studies. Wow. So, so getting back to a little bit, since everyone's different, how much cacao is, is it something that could be consumed every day or is it something yeah. that? Yeah, I, I would say as a general principle, um, you know, you, you take, do cacao like five to six times a week, take a day off, you know, just to give your, your body a little break. It's good to cycle things in and cycle things out. Not, I don't think anything except water is necessarily for every single day. Um, so I would do it that way. Um, and feel it out. That's the thing. Cacao is one of those foods that helps you get into a better feeling state. So over time, you'll be able to feel this out. Starting out, I would say start out with half, half a tablespoon all the way to one tablespoon a day of cacao powder or five to ten cacao beans a day or even one raw chocolate bar a day. And um, that's a pretty good, uh, a pretty good measurement. 
Yum. Well, that tonic that you just mentioned sounded delicious. So yeah. So speaking of, speaking of that a little bit, you mentioned putting a, a tablespoon of coconut oil in there, and that is something that I loved when you spoke about this with Carly in, in an interview that I heard with you and her, and you you were talking about how having coconut oil can never make you gain weight. Can you talk about um, oh man that yeah. superfood? And how a lot of times, you know, there's such this fat and low fat kind of weird mindset that people have. Could you yeah. talk about that a little? Um, well, a lot of that has to do with the the principles of thermogenesis, which is pretty much like uh, heating fat in your body and how that metabolizes into energy production. Um, coconut oil is the most unique fat in the world because it actually um, gets metabolized or just to just to keep this simple for everyone, coconut oil has a set of uh, fats called medium chain fatty acids or um, MCTs. And what that is is basically a type of fat that gets metabolized by our liver and turned directly into energy production. It actually helps to re- repair and rejuvenate our liver as well. Um, so, yeah, coconut oil is not going to make anybody fat. In fact, um, a doctor named Dr. Raymond Pete, who's a famous uh, pioneer in uh, holistic health and nutrition, in the 1940s, he did an experiment, or no, he, he cited an experiment that was done on pigs. Um, farmers basically wanted to fatten up their pigs um, because obviously they were going to slaughter them, so they wanted to fatten them up for production. So they started feeding them copious amounts of coconut oil, and what they found out was actually the pigs started losing weight, and they wow. had more energy, so they started acting like dogs. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, so they took the dogs off the coconut oil and gave them grains and corn and soy, and they started to fatten up, and they slug- They became sluggish. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, so, and this happens in humans. Coconut oil has very interesting effects on um, thyroid production. Most people that have trouble losing weight, um, one has to do with estrogen imbalance, which is a whole host, which is a whole topic in of its own. But You'll have to come back for that We'll have one. to come back to that one, but it influences the stimulation of our thyroid gland and thyroid stimulating hormone and actually allows our, our metabolism to start um, uh, start activating. Most people have a dulled down metabolism or metabolic rate, and they're not able to effectively burn fat as fuel, generally because of too much carbohydrates. Their body is trying to utilize all the sugar for energy production, and that's why I'm really into using um, using the right kind of fat to get that that long burning energy so um we don't have to constantly reach out for kind of like these like sugary snacks to get our little momentary energy burst and that is actually what causes a lot of the weight gain long term um so again just to just to repeat coconut oil is the number one food in my opinion to be eating copious amounts of to um if your goal is weight loss or weight maintenance um, coconut oil is probably your best friend. That's amazing. That's amazing. So one other thing I just want you to touch on for us, can we talk a little bit about skin health? And yeah. I know there's a lot of issues there with 
hormones and, and, and lots of things, but if you had to just give some of your top tips for skin health and healing skin, um, what, what would be some things that you would say? Okay, there's two main things that come to mind. One is um, the health of your intestinal tract or your, your gut health. And the second thing is um, antioxidation, which is broken down to antioxidants, specifically vitamin C. So um, I'll touch on that real quick. Vitamin C is absolutely critical for the repair of our connective tissue and for the um, for collagen production, which is the protein that helps build our skin, right? Um, this has been known for a long time. I'd say vitamin C is the most important single nutrient for the beautification of our outer appearance, meaning our skin quality. Um, a lot of times when people have brittle skin, they have skin blemishes, it actually has to do with their connective tissue underneath the skin is broken down and it's, uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not knitted together properly. Vitamin C actually helps knit together our skin tissue and our, our connective tissue. And it builds strong, sturdy skin. Um, so that's number one. I would be doing a lot of uh, vitamin C um, power plants. And I, I like the natural vitamin C botanicals, the plant powders, opposed to like the synthetic ascorbic acid. There's a lot of problems that have been documented from doing too much synthetic vitamin C. So I would say doing things like camu camu berry is very powerful. Acerola cherry, um, again, I think I went through these before in the vitamin C flush uh, description. Um, lemon is very, um, very potent for that. Um, and then moving on from there, just gut health in general. Um, one of the reasons that a lot of people have um, skin issues beyond the, beyond the vitamin C thing is they're not able to absorb the necessary nutrients into the little pores in our gut. And um, or someone has a leaky gut syndrome and larger molecules are not being broken down by the stomach acid and are actually seeping into our bloodstream, causing um, autoimmune conditions that and then our body starts to attacking itself. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of simplifying the whole situation, but the, our body starts attacking our, itself. Um, out of confusion, basically. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that the lining of our gut is lubricated and that we're, we don't have enlarged uh, pores that lead to leaky gut. We want to patch up the holes in our, in our intestinal tract. The way that we can do that, I'll throw out a few things there, is definitely um, we want to be in balance with our our healthy and our um, unhealthy bacteria. So this would be um, dysbiosis. Um, and that can be achieved through, you know, doing probiotic therapy, doing a healthy amount of um, fermented food. And I would say not doing too much fermented food or probiotics because on the flip side of that, if you, do too, if you have too much good bacteria and not enough counterbalancing bacteria, that can create its own set of issues. So just just adding in fermented food is a really good idea. 
And then doing things like, um, I would say L-glutamine as a supplement is probably going to be a really good idea for people to start doing. Um, it helps to patch up those holes um, that can get caused from, from just uh, living an imbalanced lifestyle. And then the next thing I would do, the superfood aloe vera. Aloe vera gel, um, actually, uh, it has uh, the, these polysaccharide sugars inside of it, inside the gel, that help to heal what's called our epithelial cells. And our epithelial cells actually coat the entire lining of our digestive system, and, and, and they actually go into um, repairing our skin cells as well as the vitamin C. So I'd say um, aloe vera actually mixed in with your vitamin C potion is a very powerful uh, is a very powerful way to increase uh, outer beauty. Yeah, yeah, wow, that's that's all so perfect. And I was going to ask you about gut health next, so I'm glad we touched on that. So one last question before we do our quick fire questions. We've spoken a lot about exercise and obviously everybody needs to move their body and and do exercise but I have something that I'm curious about that I just kind of wanted to to run by you so for me you know I know sometimes that I can like stress myself out with like oh I haven't moved today I haven't exercised today and I was wondering what do you think about is does everyone have a different level of exercise that they need? Is it possible that some people don't need very much exercise at all? What do you think about that? Yes, it is possible. Um, everyone is physiologically very unique. Um, and I'll say this too about since it's on my mind, if you are in a very poor state of health, excessive exercise is going to be one of the worst things that you could be doing because your body doesn't have the necessary um, building blocks in order to recover from that excessive pressure that you're placing on your body, especially if your body is not used to it, because you can't just go into an exercise program and jump in full force. That's a great way for injuring yourself out the gate. Um, so that's one thing is to start slow. And then another thing is, yeah, everyone requires a different, a different uh, form of exercise. For me, a good example for me is that I grew up as a very dedicated athlete. So in order for me to stay in a peak state, I actually have to match con the consistency of an exercise program. Otherwise, I will start to slowly degrade my body from inactivity because my body is actually um, expecting to be challenged it's expecting a certain threshold to break through in order to maintain itself not to not to get to the next level but to just maintain where i'm already at right i can't just sit on my couch um and just expect my body to stay where it's at it's actually going to go backwards so i actually have to people need to have consistency with what they're doing so no matter what your exercise routine is if you can be consistent about it and maybe gradually take it up a, nut, a notch step by step, that's going to be the most productive um, uh, form of routine, in my opinion. But if you're an extreme athlete, then you're just going to take that concept and take it up maybe three or four notches, right? If you're a senior adult, maybe in your 60s or later, and... Um, 
you're just trying to, you know, just try to uh, keep your health in good shape, then maybe just walking a few miles a day is really all you need, right? And deep yeah. breathing and walking in the morning when the air is freshest um, or hiking, you know, it's going to be different to everyone. And I feel like every single person has a built-in guidance system that's actually going to indicate what that's going to be for them. It's not going to be some P90X um, infomercial, not that that's bad or anything. It's actually probably really good for people, but that doesn't mean that it's right for you. You have to feel it out and kind of use your own common sense when trying to figure out the nutrition and fitness puzzle. So would you say for even someone who is younger and who, you know, is just maintaining their health and their weight and, um, you know, is just a regimen that isn't at, isn't really building up or isn't really like, working towards anything but just maintaining you know some light yoga and yeah. walking and that could be fine or do they would they ever need to amp that up eventually well, well it's again it's gonna it's gonna be person specific i will say this um flexibility of the body um is the most important aspect of of fitness so the most important exercise overall is actually the extension of our muscles our ligaments and our joints right because when we do too much um, isolated weight-bearing exercise without the proper elasticity of our, our <clears throat> muscles and our ligaments, it can create a pressurization onto our joints. Does that make sense? Yeah. So your joints are, are being maintained by micro muscles and, and connective tissue that holds it together. And if you start to oxidize those little those little micro muscles too much, um, they're going to break down. So you have to be in a rhythmic balance of those two opposite forms of exercise. I'd say yoga is probably more important for overall life extension and, and for your, your, um, for your personal fitness. But if you do too much yoga and not enough um, anabolic type of uh, approach to workout, mean, meaning growth development, then you're, you're going to be, uh, the Chinese would say it's too yin, right? There's the yin and the yang. The yin is more associated with feminine. It's more, um, it's more in some ways passive and... Um, Raw food is very yin, right? Because it's cold, it's damp, it's wet. Um, and the yang is like fire. It's like uh, assertive. It's like uh, take charge of the day, right? It's more associated with the masculine. You need to be in a dynamic balance of those two. And um, yoga is very yin. So it's going to be great for maintenance, for um, rejuvenation. But you also, if, you, if you're doing a rejuvenation type of protocol you need to start exercising dynamic, um, uh, a dynamic fitness protocol as well. Something like that could be martial arts. You know, something like that could be basketball for me. It could be um, sprinting is a dynamic, anabolic, quick burst type of exercise that is over in like five to 10 seconds, but it increases growth factors in the body um, opposed to like running five or 10 miles, which is actually more catabolic and it's great for cardiovascular health, 
but doing it too much will actually break your body down. So it's, it's, you have to have a balance of these two dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. It's really so interesting. So where, where would you like to see holistic health and nutrition and wellness in say 10 years and, and where do you think it will be and where would you like to see it? Well, one of the things is I'd like it to be very holistic. So, I mean, that meaning like we continually strive to take the whole body on instead of compartmentalize it into different factions of almost like religious um, viewpoints on nutrition or fitness or psychology or it has to be this way or the or no way. Um I would like to see it from that perspective, and I think it's going more and more that direction where we're taking the whole human as one one component and working with with a person holistically. And then I'd like to see it really become more prevalent in the medical institutions and more of the professional institutions where it's being recognized globally um, at, you know, when we talk about things like herbalism and like um, raw food nutrition, that things that are time tested and are proven to work, I would like to see more. I would like to see it reach the corporate level where the masses of people that are being influenced by corporations um, started to take it more seriously. Yeah, I agree. So, um, before we wrap, I want to wrap with some quick fire questions if you're up to it. But before yeah. that, I would love for you to tell everybody where to find you and some of the exciting things, um, coming for you. Okay, great. Well, people can find me at, um, Facebook, Ronnie Landis on Facebook. Um, and then also I have a, a website where I host my radio show and I have a lot of my content on there called www expandedhealthnetwork.com and I also have my own herbal raw chocolate company and the website is www.cardiozoiccacao cardiozoiccacao we'll cacao. put all those links below yeah great and um, so those are the places that people can find me I'm about to release my new book in early January 2014 called the Life Food Peak Performance System, where we get into everything that we've talked about and a whole plethora of um, information and ideas that people can really use to, to create their own lifestyle from. Amazing. That sounds so great, Ronnie. Thank you so much. So to wrap, I'm going to just do some um, quick fire questions where you'll just say like the first thing that comes to your mind. It's going to be like the best part of the interview. You ready okay. for it? Ready. Okay, cool. Favorite color? Blue. Favorite, since I know you're into basketball, favorite basketball player of all time? Allen Iverson. Favorite basketball team? Philadelphia 76ers. Favorite position to play when you're playing basketball? Shooting guard. Favorite health ritual? Oh, my morning tonic. Can you tell us what's in that? My morning tonic today is organic coffee, um, ashwagandha, ghee butter, stevia, and, 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 and there was, some, oh yeah, cacao. Okay. Yum, yum. Okay, favorite day of the week? 
Uh, neutral. <laughs> Favorite hour of the day? Four in the morning. Oh, yeah. I love that. We, I don't know if you remember this, but we were talking on Facebook and I was like, I so love that you get up that early and you wake up without an alarm, which I think is the yeah. coolest part. Yeah. It's a biological alarm. I know. I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Um, yeah. <laughs> fall, favorite fall vegetable? Ooh. I don't know. I, that's that's. I love cruciferous vegetables. I might have to just say like cauliflower or broccoli or something. That's good. That's good. How about um, a favorite fruit? Um, my favorite fruit is uh, durian fruit. Nice. Favorite yeah. way to relax? <laughs> um, playing basketball. Funny enough. Nice. <laughs> Favorite meal you've eaten recently? Jeez. Uh, favorite meal I've eaten? Nothing's coming to mind. I guess I'm just going to... Uh, oh, I know. The chocolate I made last night. Yeah. If you could have a superhero power for a day, what would it be? Mm. Uh hyper hyper conductivity of my brain <laughs> nice okay number one favorite superfood if you had to pick one good cow <laughs> i figured um okay well this has been amazing last quick fire question to offer you so as you know the name of my blog and the name of this podcast is the wellness wonderland podcast so what does it mean to you to live in your state of wellness wonderland mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, I think it, for me, it's being in a perpetual state of peak performance. And that to me is just that, that really is a state that I think all of us strive for. And that just means being on your game, being on your A game consistently in everything that I do. I want to bring excellence to it. I want to bring, I want to raise my standards for what I want in my life. And so that to me is, is my personal wellness wonderland, um, balanced out by, you know, beautiful relationships, um, amazing literature for me to read, um, doing the thing, be, living, living a life on my terms where the decisions I make are not predetermined by outside um, influences, but I can make decisions on my own um, any moment of the day. Um, just based on basically what I want to do. Mm, that's amazing. What an amazing place to end. So thank you so much, Ronnie, for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will be back next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week. But until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation and like the wellness wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives and never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on the wellness see you back in wonderland <laughs>